Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a lovely guest. Her name is Melissa Wright, and she is a human design specialist. And we're going to be discussing today how to stop choosing the wrong one. So first of all, let me welcome our guest. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely excited to have this conversation with you today. Excellent. Me too. So first and foremost, before we get stuck into discussing how to stop choosing the wrong one, I'd really love to know a bit more about you and what's got you to where you are now. And, you know, what is human design and and what is a human design specialist? Because um, I'm familiar with this, but there are probably many listeners that aren't. Yeah, so human design has definitely by by far been the greatest tool that's helped me to finally feel like I can be the real me and really trust myself and the decisions that I make in my life. So I discovered human design. It's been about four and a half years now when I first was introduced to human design. And before that, I was a law of attraction coach. So I've been on the the path of personal development and personal growth and, you know, trying to be more spiritual and all that for for a decade now. Um, And actually, even before that, before I became a coach. And it always seemed like those answers I I was looking for were just out of reach. Or I really, when I think back, I realized that I was looking for answers outside of myself. I was looking for someone else to give me the answers. And human design is really that tool that has helped me to realize that those answers, even though my mind, I knew like you find the answers within, but human design is how you actually discover those answers within. And you can stop looking for the answers outside. Um, So I have been focusing on sharing human design for the last four years because I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is the tool that can really help people to discover who they are, who they're meant to be, and to stop giving into all of the external pressure to be what they're not, to feel like they're not enough, and to finally learn how to best interact with other people. So does that kind of answer your question? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, one of the key questions that we usually end up asking ourselves does resolve around not feeling that we're enough, even if we're not actually consciously aware, that is the the question that's going on in our specifically in our and around our relationship situations. Absolutely. And with human design, when you look at a human design chart, whether you've seen one before or not, and I know that you, you've probably seen yours in the human design chart, there's nine energy centers. And so it's all based on how we process the different types of energy. So it, it kind of, we have to start from the premise of believing and understanding that everything is energy and we're energy. Um, and so when you look at the human design chart, some of your centers are going to be colored and some of them are going to be white. 
any of the centers that are white in your human design chart, that's where you're most vulnerable to absorbing other people's energy and being influenced by other people's energy. So when you start to understand your white centers, that's what really helps you to understand when you're trying to be what you're not. This is where we feel like we're maybe broken or we need to be fixed. Or if we were more like someone else who we see and we look at them and we're like, oh, I wish I were more confident or I wish I was more whatever. That's we can identify those thoughts that come up based on our white centers. And so that is really what really can help you to understand yourself when you start to identify that it's not that there's anything wrong with you or that there's anything broken or anything that needs to be fixed. But when you realize it's that pressure from your white centers, that's driving the mental chatter, right? We all have that mental chatter that's always pointing out all of our flaws, all of our faults, all those things that we wish we did differently or we wish we did better. Um, And so once you start to be aware that, oh, there's nothing wrong with me, that's just that energy that I'm more vulnerable to absorbing from other people that makes me, my mind wants me to think that if I had that, then life would be better. If I had that, I would be more desirable. If I had that, I'd be more lovable. And really that's not true. It's our mind is trying to trick us and steer Mm. us off of that path so that the mind can kind of stay in control. All of our minds think that they, our mind should be the driver of our car, right? So if you imagine we're all vehicles, we're different types of vehicles, right? Some of us can go faster. Some of us handle rough terrain better. And And our mind wants us to think that it should be the driver of our car and determine where we go and how fast we go and when we stop and when we turn. But really our mind is best designed to be the passenger of our car, kind of sitting in the back seat, looking out the window, noticing what it notices. And we all have a different authority within our human design too. That's one of the key pieces is the authority, which is our body's unique way of sending us signals about what's correct and what's not correct for us. It's what really should determine how fast we go or when we say yes and when we say no. Um, But I don't know if that's kind of getting too like, you know, obscure or out there. Um, I don't want it to seem like it's overwhelming, but, but that is the big thing that we overcome. And that's the biggest thing for me that I've realized is in understanding my human design, that nasty voice that was almost constantly tearing me down before I discovered human design is so much more quiet now. It's 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 pretty infrequent now that I actually have those thoughts that make me feel like I'm not enough. And it's because I've really started to understand the white centers in my chart and notice when that thought wants to creep in and make me feel like I'm not enough. Um, but yeah, so that makes sense. I... Definitely. So for the benefit of the audience, then, Melissa, can you explain a little bit more about what, what is and what are white centers? Because, you know, obviously people who aren't familiar with human design mm-hmm. might think, well, what's she talking about? Right. Yeah. Um, so human design, it gets based off of our birth time, our birth date and time and location. And in any given moment, based on the positioning of all the planets, and like, just bear with me if you feel if you're listening, and you feel like this is like too out there. Um, But 
based on the position of the planet, and I definitely did not have a background in astrology before this. And actually, I was pretty resistant to astrology before I found human design, because I have a twin brother. And I was like, anything that's based off of a birth date and time can't be true, because we're very different. Like, we're not meant to fall in love on the same day and like have a bad day on the same day. But what ends up happening is there's a, an energy field that all of us are absorbing in any given moment based on the positioning of the planet. So like when people talk about Mercury being in retrograde or, you know, the full moon, mm. that's really what's coming into play is the energy field that impacts everyone on earth in any given moment. So based on that, based on the positioning of all the planets, certain traits are going to get activated in your design. Now there's part of our design that's our conscious side that gets calculated at the time we're born. And then we have another side on our chart that's the unconscious side that gets calculated 88 days before we're born. Now, the traits that get activated on at that time, 88 days before, oftentimes we can be unconscious to those traits. Other people could recognize them in us easily and be like, oh yeah, of course you have that trait. But sometimes we're like, really? I don't see that myself. But that's kind of what's working under the surface mm, yeah. and driving who we are, if that kind of makes sense. So as the planets move, they're going to activate one of the 64 gates. So inside of the nine centers, there's 64 gates. And when they get activated, then we have that trait in our design. So we have our personality. It's who we think we are is the conscious side. And the design is the unconscious side. And all of those pieces together make up who we are. Now, there are lines that connect the centers from one gate to another gate and the next in the center adjacent to it. And when both of those gates on either side of the line that connects the centers get activated, that's what colors our centers. So that's kind of the energy of gets fixed in who we are. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Yeah, both sides are connected because then there's a channel. They're they're actually called channels for the energy to flow and and communicate between those two energy centers. And that is what is consistent in us. Now, when things aren't activated in our design, then we're not consistent in how we process and understand that energy. And that's when we get influenced by other people. So we're going to absorb energy in our white centers because they're not fixed. It's not consistent. We don't have those traits for how we understand and process the energy of the gates and the channel in between those two centers. So, and a lot of times it's easy to look at our white centers that they're called undefined, but this is where we have an inconsistent way of processing and understanding the energy of those centers. And that's, it's easy to feel like that's a weakness. Like, oh, if only I were, you know, for example, the heart center is about willpower. Okay. So 35% of the population has consistent access to willpower and 65% doesn't. And so most of us don't have that consistent access to willpower, but we feel like we should. We've been conditioned because we have that white center to feel like if only I had more willpower, then I could stick to that diet. I could stick to that exercise plan. I could like stick to posting every day on social media or whatever it is, the shoulds that we have. Most of us are not meant to use willpower to achieve our goals, but we think that we should. And we think that's what's wrong with us. If only I had more willpower, 
then I'd be more successful or then I'd achieve my goals. I'd be that perfect weight or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for explaining that in a bit more detail. So then talking about how to stop choosing the wrong one, how how does that sort of knit together with the human design? Yeah, great question. Okay. So we, most of us spend our lives not being aware of those white centers and when it is that external pressure, that energy that we are absorbing from the people that come in and out of our aura. And so it activates the mind to think that we need to do certain things a certain way, right? We need to be responsible. We need to like take the logical path. We need to strategize and like control the outcome and like, let me go to this place because this is where I'm going to meet someone or, you know, I need to be with this person because X, Y, Z, they have the right job, they have the right income or whatever it is. Um, So most of us are making decisions from the mind, like I said, where our mind thinks it should be the driver and it tells us what's correct for us, thinking that that's the best tool we have. But human design helps us to quiet, turn down the volume on the mind and really tune into our body's wisdom. So we have strategy and authority in human design. Strategy is based on your type. So there's four basic aura types that someone can have. And that's what one of the first places that we like to focus in human design. And so the aura type tells you what type of aura you have. So how your energy is going to interact with other people's energy as they come into your aura, which is like two arm lengths, like 15 feet. I'm sorry. I'm definitely American. So you probably don't think in terms of feet. So that would be. Yeah, we do. Well, those of us of a certain age do anyway. <laughs> I'm so, yeah, that's imperial like, even. Here has meters, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, we metric now, but yeah, in, in old money, I, which is what I understand what I was brought up with, that we did use imperial measurements, definitely. Very cool. Um, But so, you know, as people come in, it's going to, we're going to absorb the energy, especially in those white centers. And, you know, that's what activates the mental chatter and is what tries to steer us, which makes it harder for us to tune into our body's wisdom. Um, So some of the auras um, do really well to be able to initiate things. One, one of them, it's actually only 9% of the population, which are manifestors are able to initiate. So they could be the one that could initiate that new relationship, you know, feel drawn to someone and go up and, and ask them if they want to go have coffee. But most of us have been conditioned to think that we need to initiate. Now, the other aura types are meant to wait. So 70% of the population are generators and manifesting generators, and they need to wait to respond. So they're not likely to find the correct person if they are initiating or if they're trying to like, their mind's trying to put them in the right place to meet someone or, you know, oh, I need to go to this party because maybe I'll meet my next person or, you know, I need to go on this dating app and and reach out to the right people. So that's initiating. So they're meant to wait for those opportunities, those new people to come to them that then they can respond to. Um, and then projectors, you're a projector, like I'm a, we're both projectors. Projectors need to be, wait to be acknowledged and invited, which can be really tricky. It can be really challenging because 
you're, you're not meant to initiate and you're not meant to like put yourself in the right situation, but how does someone acknowledge you if you're not doing something? So it can be tricky as a projector. I don't know. Did you find that when you do, are you currently in a relationship? Yes. Yeah. 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 So how did you meet the person that you're with? Um, through working together. And did you initiate the relationship or did, or did they? I did because I was seeking his services, so to speak, for what he was offering work-wise. Yeah, I didn't realize, I wasn't sort of looking for love. It just came about because, you know, he provided the service that I wanted um, to employ him for and we became friends and then, you know, uh, progressed the relationship from there. Do you know what his type is? No, I don't know. Interesting. So, yeah. So, I mean, if, if it's two projectors, then you, you are able to initiate, like if there's two projectors, someone has to initiate. Right. But, but usually it makes sense though, that it didn't start from like, Oh, I'm attracted to you. Let's get to know each other, but through doing work. Right. And you, you know, hired him to do that service for you. And then you got to know each other and then you became friends and then romance happened from there. So, so yeah, but <clears throat> Um, you know, if you're already in a relationship, it can be helpful to think back to like, did, do, did I enter into the relationship correctly? You know, if you're the projector, were you invited to, you know, when it was ready to go to that next level and become romantic, like, were you acknowledged for who you are and what you have to offer and then invited to go to that next step? And, you know, if not, then, you know, potentially you maybe entered into the relationship incorrectly. And it doesn't mean that the relationship can't work, but there's definitely some layers to kind of unpack and unfold if that's the case, if you did enter incorrectly. And then the next step, once you're, you know, you've either been invited or you're, you're responding, or if you're the manifester and you're initiating, then it's to use your authority, which is your body's wisdom. And there are seven different types. And that's what tells you if it's cor- correct or not. So like for you, I believe you're emotional. Yeah. So are you familiar with what that means to have the emotional authority? Not really from the context of this, no. Okay. So emotional authority, what that means is there's no truth in the now. You're not meant to make in the moment decisions. You need to have time to allow your emotional wave that your body is going to generate as you're making choices, making decisions to feel into if it feels correct or not. Does that resonate for you? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, definitely. So what that means is, you know, if you're deciding you want to start a relationship and you have emotional authority, you want to avoid making that decision when you're in emotional high, right? Which that's really common in a relationship. Like it's new and it feels exciting and it feels fun and you're in the emotional high, but it's best to not commit until you've given yourself time to really feel and ride out the emotional wave, the high, the low, and everything in between. So emotional authority needs time. They need to wait until they feel like they're clear and emotionally. So I often like to think about like a pond and you drop a pebble into a pond and it creates the ripple waves. That's kind of how an emotional wave works, right? So the bigger the decision you're making, the bigger the, the, like, it's like dropping in a bigger boulder. So little pebbles, they can make kind of small waves and settle pretty quickly, but bigger boulders, 
it's going to create a big splash and bigger ripples, and it's going to take longer to get to that still, still clear surface. And so emotional authority is all about, you know, knowing when you've reached that calm, still part of your emotional wave. And unfortunately, a lot of times with emotional authority, you may not ever feel hundred percent certain if something's correct or not. So it's just trusting if you feel 70, 80% sure that that's a good sign. It's going to work out. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do very much connect with my heart and intuition and um, trust that, you know, um, mm. but like you say, you, you can, I don't think no matter who you are, you can ever say you're a hundred percent trusting it, but you know, like you say, you can sort of, acknowledge quite often that you can 80% trust it. Yes. Yes. And that's key for emotional. Now, some of the other authorities, they are hundred percent. They're like all or nothing, like sacral, sacral authority. That one is in the moment knowing it's a gut response to yes or no questions. So, you know, if you have anyone in your life that's sacral, then asking someone that's sacral open-ended questions, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Or like, you know, what's your ideal relationship or who's your ideal mate? Those kind of questions are always going to send a sacral person up into their mind and activate the mind chatter. Whereas, you know, is this person correct for you? And a yes or no question can let them tune into their body's sacral response to that yes or no in the moment. And then they're it's kind of the um, guttural response that like, it's like, uh-huh for yes or uh-uh for no or hmm for I don't know. So it's really learning to listen for those sounds. So, so those two authorities are completely different. So it's common for, for us to get conditioned out of trusting our authority, especially if our parents have a different authority, mm. right? If you're, if you're parents were sacral and they knew right away and they knew by yes or no, then they would get frustrated if you weren't deciding as quickly as it made sense for them to decide. Or the opposite is true, right? If someone's emotional and they need the time to think it out and you're sacral and you already know, but they're like, no, 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 you have to like, don't decide right now. You have to wait on it. You know, like my dad was that way. He was like emotional. It's like, you can't make decisions you have to like sleep on it. And, you know, if someone's going to pressure you into saying yes or no right away, just walk away. But um, so it's, it's really helpful to understand how your body is telling you what's a yes and what's a no, especially when it comes to relationships. Yeah. I mean, there's a common saying in the UK, I don't know whether you're familiar with that. Uh, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's perfect for emotional, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So uh, um, again, going to the topic of um, how to stop choosing the wrong one, if you've been a person that's sort of been in a, a, a two or three or more relationships that haven't worked out and you're trying to understand what is it, you know, that that's making me sort of keep choosing the wrong yes. type of person isn't a good match mm -hmm. for me. What would be your advice to them, Melissa? Yeah. So one other thing that I want to mention too, and then I promise I will answer that direct question because I think there's another key piece in here too. Um, so we are attracted to people who have the other gate activated 
on the other side of a line where we have one side. So if you have one side and the other person has one side and together you complete the full line in between centers, that's called an electromagnetic channel. And so when people say opposites attract, this is what's happening at the energetic level because they have the other half of what you have. So they are the operate, they're the opposite. They're defined where you're undefined. And so typically the more electromagnetic connections you have with another person, the more attracted you're likely to be to them. So understanding that where we're drawn to people who have the other half of a, of a line filled in and complete that line for us. And so it can be really interesting in a relationship to look at how many electromagnetics you have. So electromagnetics tend to feel really, really great in the new part of a relationship, right? It's like, oh, I have this access to this energy that I don't have on my own and it feels really good. And, you know, and then when you're with that other person, it does give you access to that center that you don't have to find on your own and it feels great. But at the same time, those electromagnetics as the relationship goes on can be what starts to drive you crazy or like kind of irritates you because it is how they're different. Does that make sense? So Hmm. that, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with relationships where it feels really great and you're in the honeymoon stage and it's exciting and it feels good. And then those things that you used to find so charming now, like irritate the crap out of you. Yes. Yeah. I I think (laughs) we can all put our hand up and say that, yeah, that's happened within our relationships. Yeah. So in the human design chart, when you, we can do a connection chart where we can take your human design chart and your partner's human design chart and put them on top of each other and and identify the different types of connections that you have. So electromagnetics are fun to look at. Another one that can be really helpful is when we have a compromise channel where one person has the full line and the other person only has half. So the person that has the full channel, their energy will always supersede or compromise the other person's energy. And the person that has half, they have some of the energy. So sometimes they're going to wish that they could win in that energy, but it's not something that we like, it's not a behavior we can adjust. It's just at the energetic level, it's how the energy interacts, but it's, it's below the surface. We don't see it. So being aware of where those compromise channels happen in a relationship, it can be really key too because it's something we have to just be aware of and either be willing to accept or not. And so a lot of times when we have compromised channels in relationships, we take it personal, right? Like if you loved me enough, you wouldn't do this. If you loved me enough, you would be willing to like see it from my perspective, right? Or if you loved me enough, you wouldn't be so selfish and you would put what I need first. But when it's a compromised channel that's occurring in the relationship, it's not that they don't love us enough, or if they loved us more, they would stop doing it. We just have to recognize when it is that energetic compromise that's happening. And then we can not take it personal, or we can decide, no, I'm not okay with being in a relationship where you're always going to win in this energy. And then we can know that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of times we do stay in relationships a lot, lot longer than what we mm-hmm. having looked back on it, <laughs> think we should have done, don't we? Right. And that's especially common for people that have an undefined spleen center. So the spleen is the, it's one of the triangles on the left side. So if you have a white spleen center, I don't remember if yours was or not. Do you remember? 
No, I don't. No, no you do. Have, you have a defined one because, yeah, you have you have the logic channel from the spleen to the throat. And you also have the logic channel from the Ajna to the throat. So the way that you speak is going to be logical. I'm getting off on a tangent though, but, um, but yeah, so you do have a spleen, a spleen that's defined people that have that undefined their conditioning from that white center is likely to have, make them hold on to things that they know are good for them which is huge in relationships, right? Like they know their relationship is wrong for them, but it's easier to stay in something that's known, even if they know it's not right, because it's easier to do that than to step into the unknown, right? Like mm-hmm. of not knowing what's next. It might, it might be miserable and horrible, but that's the lesser evil than to step into like, I don't know what comes next. What if it's worse? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, like you say, um we, we we tend to want to cling to what's familiar what's certain don't we um, yes. and that's more yeah. of a stronger pull than uh pushing ourselves outside the comfort zone and and exactly you know, feeling the fear and doing it in any way <laughs> right yes um but yeah so okay so kind of to bring all of those pieces back together the first step is to kind of review the relationships you've had in the past and identify, like, did I actually enter into those relationships correctly? Like if I'm, if I'm a projector, did I wait till I was acknowledged for who I am, recognized and invited, or did I jump into it because like, I thought it was right. Or, you know, same for, for generators. Like, did I wait to have the thing to respond to, or was I trying to put myself in the right situation? So think back to like, when you entered the, the past relationships and did you enter into it correctly? And did you tap into your body's wisdom or was it your mind that was telling you whether it was right or not? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So absolutely. yeah, recognizing if that's a pattern that you have, is not following your strategy and authority in choosing relationships and then becoming more aware of like really understanding your strategy and authority as you meet new people and you're deciding on that next relationship because our authority is based on how our aura interacts with other people. And so there's a strategy that we follow that is the only way that our aura can protect us. Right. So like, it's important to follow that strategy to wait, to be invited as predictors for us, because when we wait to be invited, that's how our aura protects us from entering into the wrong relationships or, you know, um, you know, finding those relationships that just drive us crazy and just don't work. And then, you know, they're not healthy. And then we're now stuck in the situation that it's easier to stay in than leave, even though we not know it's not correct. Um, and then, you know, even if you're already in a relationship and you want to try to make it work, even if maybe you did enter into it incorrectly, you know, in the beginning is understanding those types of connections that you have with your partner and understanding the electromagnetics and understanding those compromises and seeing where you have a white center, where probably your partner has a colored one. And then you can be aware of when it's their energy. Now, like, for example, you, you have a completely open head, which is the one at the very top and a completely open root, which is the one all the way at the bottom. And those are intense centers to have white, but yours is completely open, which is intensified. That means that none of the gates within those centers are activated at all. And when we have at least one gate activated in a white center, 
the theme of that gate gives us kind of a frame of reference for how we understand that energy. So when you don't have a gate, you don't have a frame of reference. So the energy can be even more confusing and you're going to get impacted by the way other people process that energy as they come into your aura, but it gives you even a greater potential for wisdom. So like I, I started to say earlier, like we have our white centers and we think that's like a fault or a weakness, but also the, and on one side, it can be challenging. On the other side of that coin, though, it's also where we have the greatest potential for wisdom because we're going to experience that type of energy differently as people come in and out of our aura. So when it's completely open, you're so much more flexible and fluid in how you can perceive that energy based on the different people that come in and out of your life. And so you become really wise about that energy and reading that energy in other people which helps you to understand the other person better. It helps you to understand yourself better and the world and how the world works. But so those two are really intense because they're the pressure centers. So the head is the pressure to know. So your, your mind can get stuck being really busy trying to figure things out for other people. And the root is the pressure to do. So it's like that pressure that you're going to absorb and feel like you need to be moving forward. You need to be doing something. And so when that pressure to like figure things out and know things or the pressure to like be busy and doing things and not appear to be lazy. I don't know. Do you ever have that feeling as a projector? That's really common as a projector. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. There, there yeah. is that pressure because um, yeah, I understand that completely, but I also <laughs> understand myself and I know that my own pace is my own pace. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, so if it's ever that pressure, that's kind of motivating what you're doing or how you're approaching relationships, then that's going to make it so much harder for you to tune into your emotional wave and to trust that even, you know, especially you have a lot of logic. I mentioned that you, you have a lot of logical circuits. So logic and, and emotion are opposites, right? There's no emotion and logic and there's no logic and emotions, mm. but so what, your body's way of telling you what is correct is comes in your emotions. And so your mind is going to want, going to want to hold on to that logic, what logically makes sense. So if your mind is trying to steer you to doing the logical thing, then it's going to be so much harder to honor and follow what your emotions are telling you. Fascinating stuff, Melissa. So. <laughs> For those listeners that are interested in, in knowing more about human design, you've got a free mini course, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. So would you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, I do. So I have the, a free little series. It will walk you through getting your free human design chart. So you can see all the things that I've tried to describe, but it's so much easier when you can actually see your own chart. And you can find out which ones in your chart are white and which ones are, co are colored. And then I'll walk you through how to understand the key pieces, like your strategy and authority that we mentioned. And, um, you know, some of the gates and the channels and, and kind of the basics for how to start understanding your human design. And you can find that at chart, C-H-A-R-T dot guided life by design .com. Thank you so much for offering that. The listeners will be delighted, I'm sure, to be able to access something like that if they've got an interest in this particular subject. So any final words of wisdom, Melissa, around how to stop choosing the wrong one? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, the, really the biggest thing in human design too, is understanding that who you are and how you are 
is absolutely perfect and it's intentional. And so I really hope for anyone that feels like they've been struggling with finding the right relationships and choosing the wrong person, oftentimes that comes when we feel like we're not enough and we're settling for the wrong thing just so we can feel loved. And so I really hope that you can dive into human design where you can also turn down the volume in your mind and start to see the perfection in who you are, not see any of it as good or bad, but really it was an intentional for who you are, who you're born to be and the impact you're here to make. And in following human design and your strategy and authority, you really can have a life that is fulfilling and happy and joyful where you just get to be the real authentic you. And I really wish that for everyone. Oh, thank you so much for that. That's been phenomenal. Thank you, Melissa. I really enjoyed discussing the subject of human design and also specifically how we can stop choosing the wrong one. Thank you. So uh, on that note, I just want to leave the audience with two love starts with opening our hearts and thank Melissa very much for being a part of today's podcast. So until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email Lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.